all, let's give Jesus praise. Come on. Hey, can you just thank the team for putting this together, all the volunteers and people who made all this happen this weekend. Thank you guys so much. And Merry Christmas to you. I am so glad you're here today uh, on Christmas Wonder. It's two days before Christmas, and uh, I know you've already been blessed by this worship time. And we're going to jump into God's Word today, and we're going to share a little bit. Uh, let me just say good morning to Daystar Church in Hartsell and in Madison and our online campus. We have a lot of folks that work or they have to rebroadcast this service and we just love you. It might be Christmas Day by the time you get to see this if you're online, but we're just so glad you're here. Can we all clap our hands for everybody who gets to worship with us online? Thank you so much. So we've been doing a thing called Advent and uh, it's, you know, it's four, uh, four uh, candles, four themes that we focus on. And the word Advent itself is a very powerful, very expressive word. It's, a, it's an ancient kind of word that means the coming or expectation or arrival or anticipation, you know. It's, it's those people who anticipated all those years ago for the coming of the Messiah for hundreds of years. And then it's us that we, we not only look back at that arrival, but we know there's a second coming of Jesus. Would you say amen if you know he's coming again? That's, that's the other part of Advent. But, but then there's a third arrival I want you to think about, and that is the daily arrival of Christ. I believe that every day He will come into your life, whatever's going on in your life, whatever your need is, whatever the crisis is you're going through, or just the question you have or the decision you have to make, God comes into your life and He arrives on a daily basis. And so we've been talking about uh, you know, the different subjects of hope and peace and joy, and today... We're going to talk about love. You know, love is something that we all need. And I can't think of a, of a greater subject for Christmas than love because that's the site of the greatest love story there ever was. You know, there's all kinds of love stories. Sappy, you know, Hallmark movie, uh, Christmas love stories. How many of you would confess, you know, this is the house of God. You can't lie, can't cover up stuff. I need everybody who's watched at least one sappy Hallmark type Christmas movie already. Raise your hand. Go ahead. Look at all the sin in the house of God. I mean, you know, Leslie and I watched one like at the beginning of December. You know, we we're laying there in bed watching. We looked over at each other and we we're like, did we really just watch that? You know? <laughs> but there's real love in the Bible. And, and maybe the greatest love story of them all, uh, between a man and a woman, of course, is Mary and Joseph. I mean, go back with me to ancient Jewish times in Israel under the oppressive rule of the Roman Empire. And you have a, a simple man. He's, his name's Joseph. And he's actually of royal lineage. He's great-great-great-great-grandfather is King David. But you wouldn't know it by the way he's living. He's just scrapping and fighting to set up his own carpentry business. Maybe he learned it from his father. And he's just trying to make a living for himself. Now, he's about 20 years old, probably. And by that standard, he's a very eligible bachelor in his small town. And there's probably a lot of young girls who noticed him. But more than that, a lot of young girls' dads who noticed them. Because back in those days, a man did not pr propose to a woman. But the woman's dad signed a deal with the man. I'm thinking that's of the Lord as a father of daughters. I think God's in that. That's the, how many agree it's the biblical way that we should get back to? Yeah, it's all right. All the little girls in the house are freaking out. Um, 
But that's the way it would go down. And then there was this beautiful little girl, young girl, young teenage girl. But by those standards of those days, she's marriageable age. And her name was Mary. She probably noticed Joseph. She might have even dropped hints to her dad. Dad, you, have you noticed the carpenter named Joseph? Maybe mom was in on the deal too. Hey, isn't that a fine young man, Joseph? And so a betrothal happened. This contract got signed and legally they were married. 100% married, even though they, they didn't even come together in any way. They lived in separate homes because there was a betrothal period. And so during that time, they kind of got to know each other better. And Joseph would come over, he'd have dinner with the family night after night, and he'd get to, that was his time. There's no dating in movies, but that was his time. And he would spend that time with her, and then maybe he'd go in his wood shop, and he'd make her up some kind of a box to keep things in, and he'd carve out a, a wooden rose for her. And she might send him sweetbread she had baked, or maybe a cake, and that's how they came to love each other. But imagine with me just for a minute the emotional bombshell when Joseph found out she was pregnant. He must have said, Mary, how could you? I thought you loved me like I love you. More than that, I thought you loved God like we, we love God. And try as he might to believe her story, he couldn't believe in an angel and, and the Holy Spirit and an immaculate concept. He just couldn't believe that. And, and he started feeling what many of you have felt, the sting of betrayal. Some of you know what that feels like. And so it looked like this beautiful love story was about to come to an abrupt, nasty ending. And so Mary goes away for three months to spend time in seclusion. Maybe this is why. Because Joseph couldn't stand to see her. She went away for three months with her Aunt Elizabeth. And it looked like this love story is going to come to a premature ending. But see, here's where it gets supernatural. Because this is not just a love story between a human man and a human woman. This is our story. Did you know the story of Mary and Joseph is your story? Because this is God's way of bringing the salvation of the world into your life. And so it's our story. And, and God begins to show up in an amazing way. The Bible says in John 4 and 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. God is love. Say that with me. God is love. And so since God, the Bible says, is from everlasting to everlasting. He's everywhere and he never ends. You know what that means? That means God's love. That means love never ends. And it means that love is everywhere. And it was always there when God formed the mountains and the oceans and the trees. He was thinking about you going on a beach vacation and you enjoying the forest. He was loving you when he made all that stuff. And when Adam and Eve fell away into sin, it was God's love that brought them back to him. And every time you failed him, there's been his love there. You might have found someone that judged you. And you might have certainly found someone that hated you. But if you look closely enough, no matter where you are, you will find his love. See, the love of God is completely different. It's, it's, it's not anything you can earn. It's not anything you can deserve. And that means it's not anything that you can lose. <laughs> See, God loved you in a way that nobody else loves you. The way He loves you, you'll never be loved again by that way. And so He always gets to you. Now, Mary has gone away to be with Elizabeth, her aunt. And I'm sure she's thinking to herself, man, my aunt is going to be upset. I'm going to get judged. I'm going to find a lot of hatred. But look what she finds. Luke 1 and 42, in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. 
But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord would come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb, you remember, that baby is John the Baptist. The baby in my womb, Elizabeth said, leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So in the middle of her crisis, what does she find? Love. And see, that's a great reminder for you. Maybe somebody in this room right now, you're in a crisis. And you're going through some junk and you wonder what you're going to find. You're going to find this person who says, well, I told you so. And you're going to find that person who judges you because of where you are. Let me tell you, when you find God, you find love because God is love. And because God is everywhere and always and he never ends, love is everywhere and it never ends. Maybe, maybe you're going, where am I going to find it? You're finding it right here, right now. Right here, man, there's nobody here to judge you. There's nobody here to send you to hell. You're finding love right now because here's what God does. He uses people and songs and, and, and memories and, 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 and all kinds of different things to get his love to you. Mary wasn't the only one that needed love that day. Joseph, he was upset. He's ready to divorce her privately, which was the nicest thing he could do customarily. But God shows up in his life. Matthew 1 and 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I can hardly read that without choking up. He will save his people. Maybe that doesn't mean anything to you because maybe you've never sinned. But let me tell you, as a sinner, man, I'm glad that he came to save his people from their sins. Has anybody in here ever been forgiven of a sin you couldn't outdo or undo or fix back? Could you thank Jesus right now? Could you just thank him for coming and saving you from your sins? The angel said, don't be afraid. <laughs> the interesting thing about God's love is it, it knows what you need the most. See, the thing that was motivating uh, Joseph the most was fear. And God knew it. And so his love came and gave him courage and told him not to be afraid. Let me tell you, the biggest distinguishing point between the silly Hollywood romantic thing we call love and the real love of God is that God's love knows what you need and it serves you. It meets you right where you are. That silly, crazy Hollywood stuff in songs and movies that is, that is largely sensual and, and based on sexual desire, what that does, it says, I want to take from you what I want for me. That's not love, church. Love is when I say, I know what you need. I'm going to sacrifice myself to give you what you need. That's what real love is. And that's what Jesus gave. That's what God gave. And that's what the angel was giving that day to Joseph. You need courage. You need to forget your fears. And you need to step out in faith. True love sacrifices. True love serves. Lust, on the other hand, takes from us. See, the beautiful thing about God's love is you can't earn it or deserve it. It endures. It's warmer than the warm fuzzies you get after watching one of those movies. It's warmer than the warm fuzzies you get after that girl looks at you across the room and you think she might be the one. Real love of God is deeper and more abiding and it's more lasting. In fact, the Bible says the love of God endures every circumstance. Romans 8 and 38 
I am, it says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life or angels or demons or the things in the present or the future or any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey, I don't know what your issue is, but it's in that list. Height, depth, things in the present, things in the past, things in the future. Man, whatever you, it's in that list. And God says, your issue can't separate you from his love. Would you just stop for a minute and let that sink in? Your issue can't separate you from his love. What you did in the past, what you're facing in the future, how you feel right now. What, you know, what, whatever you think is wrong about you, the Bible says, cannot separate you from his love. And so, while I don't know what your circumstances are, I do know what you need. Because you need the same thing everybody else needs. Love. We all need love. And I don't mean earthly substitute for love. I mean God's love. The love of God that is perfect and pure. See, before Jesus, all we had was religion. You know, religion, a lot of people are doing religion this morning. I hope you're not. Religion is us trying to earn God's love. Us trying to do enough good deeds so people think we're good enough and God thinks we're good enough. But Jesus turned religion into relationship. He said in John 13, a new commandment I give you. Love one another. Look how simple Jesus' commands are. Just love one another. As I've loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. So we're about to light the love candle. And rather than have one person with an amazing testimony to light the candle, you're going to light the candle. Every one of you. So we're going to start a fire right here. And we're going to send the fire all the way to the back. And just somebody in the back, when the last candle is lit in the back, that candle's coming all the way back up here to light this candles. And we remember that we all need the same thing. I don't care if you've got money, if you don't have money. I don't care if you have fame or if nobody knows your name. We all need God's love. What about you? Is God's love living inside of you? Have you received his love? This week I was thinking about Jim Elliott, this uh, great Christian, probably the most amazing, inspirational Christian story in American history. It's a guy, it's a guy who went to Ecuador in the 1950s in a savage time. Because he wanted, to, he wanted to share the love of Jesus with the Quechua Indians who had never heard about Jesus. And they were, they were a savage group of people. He took his whole family there, and one day while he's trying to communicate Jesus' love to them, they run a spear through him, and he loses his life. And yet, through his sacrifice, the whole village was saved, including the man who killed him. And a great revival happened around the world from that. And thousands, maybe even more, maybe millions of Christians have heard that story and been inspired to share their faith. And when he was bringing his family to that crazy place in the 1950s, and people asked him, why would you do this? Why would you sacrifice? Why would you risk everything you have? And he said these words. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Come on, come on, think about that. You're not a fool if you give up what you cannot keep to gain what you cannot lose. Did you know all that stuff you've been working for, you will not be able to keep everything you put your hands to. That big pile of money, I don't care if it reaches above your head, you'll not be able to keep that. The car you drove in, you may have worked really, really hard for it. You might love it. You won't keep it. 
the house that you served to get and you, you, you bought and, and, and you slaved to keep up, you won't be able to keep that. Even your body, I don't care what condition it's in, you won't keep that. And so wouldn't it be better to take all that stuff that's so valuable and important to you that you know you can't keep and give it to Jesus? Sacrifice all, become his servant, and then you would now gain what you cannot lose, and that is the love of Jesus Christ. Everlasting life, when you put your faith in him, not in your stuff, not in your job, not in people on this earth, you put your faith in him, you cannot lose his sacrifice. You cannot lose eternity.